Thank you for downloading the Walking On Air podcast. Before I begin, I would like to thank the three fantastic sponsors of this podcast. Where are you going on holiday this year? Will you be exploring the mysterious moorlands of Dartmoor or the lovely lakes of the Lake District? Perhaps you would like an adventure in Andalusia or an autumnal wine walk in Sicily or Spain. Do you want to return to the roots of Nordic walking and have a go at cross-country skiing in Norway? Or are you looking for a challenge walk somewhere further afield in Africa, India or Canada? You can find holidays to all these incredible destinations and many more at walkingwomen.com. Local women guides provide in-depth knowledge of each area and will encourage you to walk a little longer and walk a little higher. Use the discount code WOA23 to get a £50 discount off your next walking holiday. Walking women take care of the organisation so you can take care of yourself. The next sponsor is the go-to supplier of brilliant Nordic walking poles. Nordicwalk.store is the leading independent online retailer of quality Nordic walking poles in the UK. Always warm and friendly, I can vouch for the fact that you will get excellent customer service in their capable hands. Nordicwalk.store will deliver Lecky and XL poles the next day anywhere in the UK and if you need advice about which pole is right for you, then contact Paula, who is always happy to help answer your questions. And finally, have you ever considered turning an activity you love into your actual job? If you enjoy being outdoors, meeting new people and staying fit, why not train to become an instructor yourself? British Nordic Walking offers internationally recognised high-quality instructor courses and provides amazing ongoing support for its instructor network. If this sounds tempting, then you can book an instructor training course with a £25 discount if you visit www.britishnordicwalking.org.uk, click on the Train With Us tab and book using the discount code WALKING23. I trained with British Nordic Walking back in 2014 and it provided me with all the information I needed to start teaching and gave me the confidence to set up as an instructor on my own. As a British Nordic Walking instructor, you too will benefit from ongoing support from the community and CPD opportunities to enhance your own knowledge. Further details, discount codes and links to the sponsors' websites can be found in the show notes. Welcome to Series 2 of the Walking On Air podcast, the podcast for all Nordic walkers, wherever you may be around the world. I'm Mary Tweed, an instructor with British Nordic Walking. Each week I will be discussing various topics with Nordic walkers who are experts in their own particular fields, covering a diverse range of topics so we can all learn about the benefits of walking in general and Nordic walking in particular, as well as other great tips for well-being and improved health. If you find this podcast beneficial, then I would be extremely grateful if you would consider occasionally making a small donation, the price of a cup of coffee, by clicking on the Buy Me A Coffee link in the show notes. This helps cover the cost of producing these podcasts. Thank you. In today's episode, I speak to Alison Cossons, 
a former occupational therapist who has hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which was evident from birth. However, she was only diagnosed in her late 30s alongside her young son. Alison is a regular Nordic walker with Nordic 4 and attends classes run by both Katie Atkins and Emma Webb. Welcome, Alison Cossons, to Walking On Air. Hello, Mary. It's lovely to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Please, could you explain exactly to the audience what hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome is? It can be quite tricky to define, but um, if I start off with hypermobile, meaning hyper in excess, too much, mobile, sometimes meaning movement. So if you think about extra movement, that's what I have within my body, particularly within the joints. I have a definition from the Ehlers-Danlos Society. They say that hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, or HEDS for short, is the most common type of Ehlers-Danlos syndromes. All types of EDS are heritable connective tissue disorders. Connective tissue is found in most body systems. Thus, a person who has hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos can have symptoms in many areas of their body. Hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos is known for causing hypermobile joints, joint instability, leading to joint subluxations, which is a slight looseness on the way to being dislocated, and dislocations, so that's when the joint goes completely out. Also, stretchy skin and prolapsed organs. The genetic cause or causes for um, hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos are not yet known. So the diagnosis is made using clinical diagnostic criteria, which I've sent you, Mary, from the Ehlers-Danlos yeah. A4 yeah. sheet. I'll put and a link to that in the show notes. Yes, that would be fantastic yeah. because there are so many things that come within those criteria. So some of my symptoms will be mentioned later, uh, which are relevant to Nordic walking um, experiences. With this condition, you could be mild, moderate or severe. I'm likely to be moderate. So you know these are all based on my experiences, Nordic walking. The symptoms vary from one individual to the next. So what causes heads? So again, I asked um, the Ehlers-Danlos Society for an up-to-date answer to this. They explained it's caused by one or more genetic variants. And then they also wrote to me to say that late diagnosis is common, you know, at any age because of the lack of awareness by many about this condition. They said on average, it takes 12 years for a diagnosis to be made from the onset of a symptom and that it's an invisible condition. And so how does heads affect your physical fitness? Well, I think the main thing is pain, which is a sort of constant normal for me, dull-like pain. So I don't necessarily think of it too much because it's become part of me. But I do feel a different type of pain if I've been overdoing things. And especially when my knee subluxes, which means it goes, it 
feels loose and slightly shifts to the outside of my knee. And pain can be quite tiring as a result. Um, Others, you know, do experience much more pain and some others experience less. But also moving takes more effort to control my stretchy tissues compared to those without heads. So I've heard that um, sometimes physios say that when people with heads do a walk, it can be like um, equivalent to a marathon to them because of the effort required. So that leads on to fatigue of muscle and also a bit of mental fatigue, especially from thinking how I'm controlling my body, especially in new places, creating a memory of surfaces particularly my children also have heads and whenever they moved and changed schools they would often be quite clumsy until they had learned about the depth of the stair and 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 the sort of slopes and things you create a sort of memory and then leading on to fatigue there is this boom and bust which (laughs) can happen so you know you can be quite busy and think well I've got all these things to do and then suddenly you get you sort of go up and up and up and then you crash because you get so tired. So we're meant to do practical pacing and fatigue management. And that's, and I've included a YouTube link to a fantastic, an account by Jason Perry, physio, who spoke at the Ailes Danlos Society about how to create um, a way of avoiding this boom and bust. There's, a, there's quite a long list here. Yes, um, carry on. It's fascinating because I don't know much about it. There's also a sense of proprioception, which is awareness of where your arm, legs, um, your body is in space. Sort of, you can feel through your arms and legs. But say how you work out how you walk through a doorway, you are you are sort of relying on feedback from your body where where your body is. <laughs> and so often, for example, I catch a cuff on a lever handle door because I haven't quite worked out the sort of manoeuvrability through that space. Because the reason why I'm mentioning this is that I, I bruise fairly easily, which some people with heads do as well. So, and, and often I will see a bruise and I don't know how it happened because it could be just one of those things I've just knocked into it becomes part of my sort of routine but just to be aware that that can happen then it can affect my strength my stamina um, my balance especially with my core hips knees and ankles and pace as well um, which could sort of go along with the stamina side as well that can be a bit reduced compared to the average person. So this leads me on to the history of PE. Um, And I know one of your other speakers mentioned about being the last to be picked. Well, I can relate to this. (laughs) And if I got knocked in a sort of sports game, I would fall over because I didn't have that inner strength or ability to sort of hold myself. So that probably contributed to a bit of the natural anxiety and low mood that can also happen in heads. It was probably also complicated by growing pains. And I know growing pains, I think, are relatively normal, but these were epic growing pains. And 
subluxations in my jaw, in my knee, and my ankle particularly. So the reason why I'm mentioning this, particularly for Nordic walking instructors, is that I learned that sport was not good for my self-esteem and could also flare my head, as there was no individual program with achievable aims and objectives for me. I was fitting into a system, whereas the system wasn't adapting to me. So maybe a walker may have this history and be rather cautious about doing a sport. There's heat intolerance as well for me, and also a bit of an intolerance to bright lights called photophobia. It's not a phobia as such, it's an intolerance to bright lights. The other thing that can happen is anxiety or fear of some slippery or downward slopes. Mm. I I constantly analyse many places I go whilst I walk. So before Nordic, I would avoid all these. So the last two things are posture. My normal standing posture would be a sway back. So imagine standing and then leaning back. To me, that makes me feel like I'm standing upright, but I'm actually leaning back. Um, I rest or hinge on my ligaments, according to my physio. And the other thing is my my parents used to say, stop fidgeting. Again, back to the proprioception or to help circulation within my legs. Fidgeting is quite common. That's rather a long description how heads affects my physical fitness. With all of that going on and the fear of physical exercise, how did you get into Nordic walking? Uh, well, Katie Atkins from nordic4.com contacted me when she was setting up her business in 2017. I had no hesitation as she differentiated so well the PE for my two children with hypermobile, or with, with heads, because she was their PE teacher at a junior school. Their experience of PE was so different from mine. I could add I was skeptical though because the poles are used so differently from walking sticks and with my previous occupational therapist role I was a little bit cautious because it would be so different from what my physio colleagues would be teaching. But the one of the sort of triggers was that using again my OT experiences I was getting concerned that it was tricky to sit to stand for me. I'd be reducing the amount of time I would go up and down the stairs and and I would hear all these huffing and puffing as I did this. And I thought, no, this isn't right. And my menopausal weight gain was sort of there. And that's why I like your podcast on menopause. I can relate so much to that. OTs like to look at activities which give meaning and purpose to life, like everyone does. So hence, I thought, hmm, maybe Nordic might be for me. I have to say, I did check with all the doctors and specialists that I see along the way and my physio that it would be suitable. So for anyone considering it's essential that they check in with all their doctors, specialists, physios, everybody to make sure it's okay for them. And what are the benefits that you have experienced from Nordic walking? If I had to summarise, I would say I feel more in control. I feel stronger and I trust my, I have trust in my body now. That's the sort of main message. And I'm able to Nordic walk over uneven ground and slopes. And I can explore places previously unreachable, for example, on my holiday 
I've also learned to be able to cope with wind and rain and learning to tolerate sunshine. This is all part of what's called the sensory processing issues that sometimes are linked to ailments. But certainly I feel my proprioception, the body awareness, the bumping into things is happening less and therefore less bruising. And I'm progressing in physio and the physio has said this. So she is very pleased with how she is seeing me improving. I feel less stiff, achy, as long as I do this pacing and things like using a timer so that I don't carry on Nordic walking beyond my limits. You know, when I'm Nordic walking, I could keep walking and walking and walking because I'm enjoying it so much. But there's a point where I've learned that if I do too much, then I pay for it later. It's learning your limits. But then by doing that, you can actually increase your limits. Uh, but I've definitely strengthened. And uh, one of my Nordic teachers said to me, today um, not today recently that you are fit well no one has ever said that to me and I can attribute that to the Nordic walking and the physio but to be you know to be told that from my sort of history is amazing my awareness of posture has improved I'm correcting that sway back I mentioned Simple things like keep keep your ears in line with your shoulders. Really good technique that I've been taught. The weight loss has definitely happened. I've dropped three to four dress sizes over four years. So um, so that is good for my joints and for my health. But I'm all for body positivity, I, I hasten to add. But for me, that extra menopausal weight gain was affecting my health. And then the mindfulness in the woodland really helps the natural anxiety that can come with heads. And then as you can tell, being able to tell my story regarding my late diagnosis and delayed physical development in childhood, it all helps me to feel that there's recognition of my condition. And this is a big feature of people with heads is that often we feel it's not recognized in the medical world as much as it could be so I'm really grateful for all the charities that will be listed that are and the medical advisors there who are researching and looking into it and enabling people to find out about this condition so those are the massive amount of benefits that I feel I've experienced I think that's absolutely wonderful that Nordic walking has had such a positive effect. So what do you find most rewarding about Nordic walking? There's one line on this. <laughs> so, 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 so you can see the benefit I have is just coming from me. But, yes, um, the passion is there. <laughs> yes. Um, so go back to my sort of OT instincts. It's achievable aims worked out between my instructor and myself, which build upon each other and are regularly reviewed in one-to-one sessions. So a mix of one-to-one and groups, as well as somebody who understands me. Brilliant. And, and what common barriers to exercise do you face and how do you overcome them? So the barrier that is mainly, it's for me, is the fatigue element. So the way I've overcome this is to know 
through trial and error, how much can I do? And for me, I find Nordic walking alternate days is best for me. And knowing my baseline, for example, I know that three miles is my limit. I can walk comfortably for an hour. Two hours is fine, but I don't, I shouldn't really walk any longer than two hours. And to know to stop then, even though I feel sort of on top of the world out there, Nordic walking, I know I have to stop so that I don't overdo it. But, you know, there are days when the fatigue hits and it's not wise to go out. Yeah. With the subluxations, the knee subluxations can happen when I'm descending but pushing on the poles helps to compensate. So if I feel that, I can lean back and push on the poles. I do not Nordic walk if my knees look swollen or feels loose and is and they're not relocated. I always tell my instructor if a joint feels unstable. It can vary from day to day, like fatigue. Is the one of the 10 steps that you find particularly beneficial? Well, you can imagine it's tricky to choose one. It's either the push for power and propulsion and for my proprioception, three Ps, or as I call it, the tigger bounce. It's something I don't experience in walking. But now in my walking, not Nordic walking, I can feel the bounce now in my day-to-day Normal walking. So that is, is fantastic. And again, the posture. I um, normally do daily body checks to see how loose I'm feeling. So knowing tips to have a good posture is helpful when doing my body checks. So, you know, for example, if I'm standing and I'm not thinking necessarily of my posture to give an idea, I can rotate my hip around. So you you may see my foot pointing the the other way. So (laughs) just that's how supple I am. And then finally, what is your tip for walking on air? I suppose if I had to reduce it to three words, it would be regularity of activity. For the Ehlers-Danlos Society, I did a May awareness challenge. So that meant walking every day, three miles. That showed me that, you know, alternate days are better for me but I did it but that proved regularity of activity really helped my fitness and weight loss and it helped me see it as an essential occupation for the week and that leads me on to that it's instructors who take time to find out about heads and how it affects each individual and and how the other treatments are working. For example, physio, I can see a lot of correlation between physio and Nordic walking because each person is so different with their hypermobility. It, and I suppose I'm saying it's recognition of the ailers, of our needs, of who I am. And you know, ha- having hypermobility does have a lot of plus points too. Well, Alison, thank you so much for coming on to Walking On Air today and raising awareness of hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. I think it's a really valuable thing that you have done today. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for giving airtime to it. What a fascinating topic. Alison has really shed some light on this syndrome for me. 
If you would like to find out more, then please see the show notes, which will include links to the YouTube clip by Jason Perry that Alison mentions, as well as several links that she has sent me to sites which give details about hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. I do hope that you enjoyed Walking On Air, and if you have enjoyed doing so, then I would be extremely grateful if you could spare 30 seconds to like and review this podcast on the platform that you listen on, and hit the subscribe button, particularly if you listen on Apple Podcasts. It will help spread the word about Nordic Walking and about this podcast. If you have any feedback, suggestions or a story that you want to share on this podcast, please get in touch by emailing me at hello at walkingonairpodcast.co.uk. Have a great week and happy Nordic Walking. Finally, before I go, I would just like to thank this episode's sponsors, British Nordic Walking, NordicWalk.store and Walking Women. Their support enables our community to share knowledge and learn together.